Welcome to the Patricia King Podcast. We are going to build the kingdom of God in this hour. Jesus is sitting on the cloud. I believe that we are in the end time harvest season. But we're going to do exactly what he told us to do. We're going to disciple nations. Amen. I am excited to get into this message today. This has been a really um, glorious week. It's been an intense week at times, and I'm gonna be honest with you guys, it's been a heartbreaking week at times, but you know, all of that is good because God is not only bringing reformation to our nation, he's bringing reformation to his church, and you know what that means? Reformation in each and every one of us. I found myself wrestling with things this week, but that wrestle's not bad. The wrestle's good because we see the things in us that don't line up with who we truly are in Christ and we get to say, no, thank you. And we get to step aside and we get to go with, get with friends and say, hey, I'm wrestling here and we come alongside each other. So this is a really, really glorious season. And you know, God talks about seasons. We knew when we were coming into 2020, we declared, this house and prophets all over the world declared, this is not just a new year, this is not just a new decade. This is not just a new season. This is a new era. And what we're discovering is it's an era of warfare. And I want to talk about that today because that is not a bad thing. And But we just have to make sure we war according to kingdom principles because that's how we see the victory come forth. But if you have your Bibles, you can go to Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to paraphrase this, so if you don't have them handy, that's okay. But right here in Ecclesiastes 3, the Lord is using Solomon to put forth that there are seasons in the earth and that God plans the seasons. And he goes through, he says, there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every matter under heaven. And he goes through all the different seasons and it ends with a time for war and a time for peace. There's a couple things I want to highlight here. God says that these seasons are all, for, there's a season for every matter under heaven. So the season that we're in right now, don't mistake that this is under anything other than heaven. Every single season is under heaven and ultimately to achieve the plans and purposes of heaven. And seasons of war, I find it interesting that he words this, times of war and times of peace. So we see that what comes before the peace is the war. So what are we warring for? For the Prince of Peace, but also the manifestations of him who is the Prince of Peace. We're at war in this nation right now in the spirit. That's not a bad thing, but we have to remember what we're warring for is the Prince of Peace to see the manifestation of his triumph and promises. We have entered a new era and it is time for war. War of light versus darkness, good versus evil, righteousness versus wickedness. We're in a war for our nation. You're probably watching overseas. You're in a war for your nation. But war is not a bad thing. We are in a war for the church right now. Why? This is especially important. We're in a war in ourselves right now. Why? I was in a war in myself this week. There were times I felt discouraged. There were times I felt angry. There were times I felt frustrated. There were times I just felt... I was at a war in myself, but why? So the Prince of Peace can take more territory. So the victory can be no more. So I, but, but we have to realize we have a role to play. I had a role to play. I had to be willing to let Holy Spirit and friends and people come alongside of me and saying, how are you doing right now? And it's like, 
and then realize, oh wait, that's not Jesus. This is an opportunity, a season of war in myself so that more of the kingdom can be allowed by me to rule and reign. So that in the church, more of the kingdom by us can be allowed to rule and reign. Why? Because we determine the course of our nation. What we're seeing in our nation right now, it's there for one reason and one reason only, because the church has allowed it. Because we've allowed it in the church, which means we've allowed it in ourselves. Now that's not a hang your head in guilt, shame, and condemnation. That's a lift up your eyes and see the glorious opportunity we have before us to take territory first in ourselves. Every war begins with the war of ourselves. I have a book I wrote that I am rereading because I need to right now called Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions. But it is a battle strategy for this hour. It will show you how to live in victory, how to manifest victory, but how to bring victory into your household, into your neighborhood, into your city, into this state, and into our nation. So war is not a bad thing. There is a purpose to God's season of war. He makes that clear in Ecclesiastes 3. We are in the midst of historic opportunity to take territory, to tear down powers and principalities and drive the enemy from the land. I like getting into the Old Testament in, in, in times of war to look at how God wars, why God wars, and it's always to take territory. It always is about inhabiting the promise of God and then taking that territory with and for God. And we are in an incredibly glorious opportunity in this nation to take territory, to tear down powers and principalities in this nation. When you see the spirits of Ahab and Jezebel and Babylon and Leviathan and Molech and Baal and so many Haman and Goliath running through the land right now, seemingly running rampant. Why are we being allowed to see them so clearly? So we can target them and see them torn down. Remember all the words about 2020 being the year of clear vision. We cheered that. We just didn't realize that the clarity of vision would we would clearly see the enemy. We would clearly see the giants in the land, but that's a good thing. I like to shoot. I like to shoot nine millimeter, seven, six, two, 45, you know, uh, two, two, three, five, five, six. I like to shoot. But you know, I shoot so much better when my eyes are open and I see the target. <laughs> if my eyes aren't open and I don't see the target, my friends will say, put down the gun, man. <laughs> It would be irresponsible, truly irresponsible and dangerous of me to shoot with my eyes closed. What God has done is he's opened our eyes so we can see the target. Don't be afraid of Haman and Goliath. Don't be afraid of Jezebel and Ahab. Don't be afraid of Baal and Moloch. Don't be afraid of Leviathan and Baal. Target them. Because you know what? We, by the grace of our glorious God who has given us victory, is giving us the opportunity to legislate and execute that victory, to see powers and principalities torn down in our land. Here's, here's one of the things I want to highlight. We actually determine the outcome of this battle. We really do. Not only because we are the dominion stewards in the land, and we've talked about this a lot in the last two years, that since day six, God's plan has been to have people willing to be in relationship with him who will operate as dominion stewards. But God always works through men and women. Goliath was slain through David. David said it, my God will slay you, but I'm gonna cut your head off. <laughs> in other words, my God has given me the victory, but I'm going to legislate and enforce it. And you're going to be very aware that I know who my God is. 
just, just give me a minute. That's where we are right now. But here's, here's the thing. God has given us the victory in Christ, but the question is, will we give it to our nation? And we will. And that's the reason I'm saying this to Shiloh, to you here and to all of you joining us online, is you're champions. You're incredible. You're wor- I mean, every week when we gather together to worship with Susan and the band, we are doing warfare every, every single week. Like Pastor Francisco prophesied, we were dancing on the heads of the enemy and the plans of the enemy. That's warfare. We are legislating and executing the victory of Christ. This is not a time to check out. This is not a time to say, oh, God's got this. Well, God does have this. But you know what? You know how he's going to bring forth the victory? Through us. And that's a good thing. That's what we're here for. So I want to talk about how because this is a season of war, I want to break down two things. How we war, and then I want to give you eight keys to stand in the place of victory and see the triumph in this season. And I did eight keys intentionally because eight is the number of new beginnings. And we are in a season of reformation and we are going to see a glorious new beginning. And the more you hear the report of darkness, be encouraged. My wife is brilliant at reminding me of this. I'm a feeler and, and sometimes my, I let my emotions get in the way for a moment. But my wife is always so good at reminding me, you know, the reason that they're shouting so loud, the enemy, the dark powers and principalities are shouting so loud is because they're terrified. They know their time is short. They know the remnant has awoken. They hear the shofar blowing. David's are arising. Uh, Esther's and Mordecai's are taking their place. This is an exciting season where we are going to see renewal, and reformation, and a new beginning. I'm 56 years old. I've been a Christian for 18 years and, what's today, the 18th? 21st. 18 years and 17 days. And in those 18 years and 17 days, I have been thinking to myself often, what was, what's it going to look like to see a nation truly serving God? Truly embracing the will and ways of God. Truly saying, Lord, you are our God. And we will, we will legislate from your heart. And we will bring forth justice from your truth. And we will bring forth mercy and kindness and love to everyone in our borders while we stand on the truth and wisdom of God. And we have a chance to see that in this nation if we continue on in prayer, in worship, in praise, in victory. So let's talk about how we fight. Number one, I can do this quickly because you know these. Number one, we must remember in this season that we fight in the spirit against powers and principalities. 2 Corinthians 10 says it, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Oh, thank you, Francisco. That was thoughtful of you. For the pulling down of strongholds. So it says, though we walk in the flesh, we are to be in the world, not of the world, but we are to be here walking in the flesh, but not in the flesh. This is what I find interesting. Usually in scripture, when the word flesh is used, it's talking about our carnal nature. So I actually believe what God is saying here is, hey, Though at times you can be in your carnal nature, you need to know that is not the place of victory or strategic warfare. The place of victory, it's a strategic warfare and victory is to know that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty 
in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we are not to be targeting people or parties or personalities. We're to be targeting powers and principalities. Ephesians 6.12 puts it this way. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The one thing, again, I want to highlight there is, and of course the word of God is true, but what I find interesting is it's talking about we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood of others, but we might have to wrestle against our own flesh and blood. I know I do at times. But that's, again, that's a gift because then we get to shift. We get to take territory in ourselves. And when we allow territory to be taken in ourselves, we're allowing territory to be taken in the church. And we allow territory to be taken in the church. All of a sudden now we're letting territory be taken in our nation. Any battle always begins with stewarding our own selves and our own responses. And if, like me, at times you have wrestled with your flesh, it's not bad if you realize you're doing it. It actually gives you a great opportunity. And I want to remind you, the blood of Jesus really works. If you find yourself doing that, you stop it, and then you repent. You make things right if you need to. If it's just been an internal struggle, you make it right with God and say, Lord, I'm sorry I gave in to fear or frustration for a moment. I repent of those things. I apply the blood of Jesus to myself. And then I, I will declare, and anyone else in the body of Christ who's wrestling right now, I apply the blood to them as well because they're part of your solution. And part of the solution is for each of us to win the battle in ourselves. We fight for people, not against them. And I want to say this, especially those we do not agree with. We must be fighting for them. Who's your favorite politician? Fight for them. Who's your least favorite politician? Fight for them. We don't fight for their strategies. We don't fight for their programs, but we must be fighting for them and for their souls. Any Saul can become a Paul. I have one politician that I completely, utterly, and totally disagree with just about every single word that comes out of her mouth. I pray for her almost every single day. I can see the agent of impact for the kingdom of light that she can be. So every morning when I'm praying for the USA, I lift her up to God and I ask him to please work upon her heart. I say, you died for her. You shed your blood for her. You love her. You created her for a plan and a purpose. God, open her eyes to that. And anywhere the enemy's gotten in, any trap, any deception, any lie, any manipulation, any temptation, Lord, open her eyes to the death that that is ultimately and let her receive your love. Let her see your mercy and let her run to it because she's made to know you and be an agent for you. So we fight for people, not against them, especially those we don't agree with. We don't fight for their agendas or their programs, but we fight for their salvation because any Saul can become a Paul. So that's how we fight. We don't fight according to the flesh. We fight according to the spirit. But let me give you eight specific keys for this warfare season. Number one, know you're made for this. This is key. This is not, this is not and when, when we realize we're in a battle, when we're in a season of war, especially in our nation, it's not a time to go, oh. This is not a time for nostalgia. Oh, I remember when. It was so, I told my wife this week, I said, honey, if it wasn't for you and our family, I think I'd go and be a hermit. I, can, I really can get my head around being a hermit and just, just spending time with no one but God. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I looked at her and said, wait, no, that's not true. I've been manifested in the earth in this hour for a purpose, and I will walk in the fullness of that. I was having a little escapist fantasy. 
That's all it was, it was a little escapist fantasy. I wanted to get to the escape pod and jettison from the, you know, the Millennium Falcon because all the TIE fighters were shooting at it. And I thought, no, I am not here for the escape pod. I am here to rule and reign. I am here to tear down powers and principalities, and you are too. We must, understand, we must avoid any kind of victim mentality, nostalgia. Tra- if, 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 if it would be better to be how it was, you know what God would do? Make it how it was. But what we're actually seeing in this hour, even during the last glorious season of 70 years of God pouring out his love, pouring out his glory, manifesting all that to the church, all of those are good things that had a real purpose to them. And by the way, we never lose anything with God. We haven't shifted from a glory season to a warfare. Actually, I said that poorly. We haven't lost the glory season as we shift to the warfare season. We bring our revelation of the glory of God into the warfare season. And we contend from that place. So we have to realize that we are made for this. God picked us to be here and now. No victim mentality, no nostalgia for better times. These are the greatest times for a Christian to ever be alive. How do I know? Because I'm a Christian and I'm alive. And God manifested me and each of you for this season. Are you willing to believe that God has also outfitted you for this season? That's the question I wanna ask you this morning. If we're willing to believe God made me for this season, are we willing to believe he outfitted us for this season? Do you have any revelation of God that would say he'd plop you down in the middle of something that you weren't ready or equipped for? We have the victory in Christ. He's given us weapons that are mighty in him for the pulling down of strongholds. We're not only here for this season, we are well equipped for this season. So again, we simply have to use the weapons and tools available to us and we'll see the victory. As I've shared many times, the kingdom's simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple. I know during the week, there was a time during the week when I was really feeling some some heaviness, I'll put it that way. And all of a sudden it struck me, wait, the kingdom's simple. It says to lift off the the garment of heaviness, put on the, to lift off the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. And now I'm gonna be honest, in that moment, I thought, I don't want to praise. I was just being a little, I was just being a little brat. I don't want to praise. I just want it to be easy. And I thought, no, I don't. I want it to be glorious. So I'm going to put on the garment of praise. And I'm going to praise my God. And the heaviness lifted off. And the kingdom's simple. And when we realize we have everything we need in Christ, we know we're not only here for this season and for a reason, but we know we have everything we need to achieve that. Philippians 4.19 is a great scripture to be thinking about right now. We usually think about it in, in terms of finances, but it says he will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. Finance is just one small area that God finds it very easy to meet our needs in. But what about for joy? What about for focus? What about for zeal? What about for vision? What about for victory? What about for and whatever you need? The ability to praise. He'll meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. When we choose to make this mental shift, then all of a sudden we, we, we die to the lie that this season is some kind of burden or difficulty and we come alive to the truth that this season is filled with opportunity. And you know what? It is truly an honor to be alive right now. Do you understand what God is entrusting us with? What an honor to be blessed with this battle. We get to bring reformation to the United States of America on behalf of Jesus. Now, he gets all the glory, but we get to participate in it. Do you realize this is like in the Old Testament when they had these massive battles 
We get to be in a nation-sized battle and see the victory of Christ come forth. This is truly an honor. All right, so number one, know you're made for this. Number two, stay in faith. This is key, and it's a corollary to knowing that you are made for this. Stay in faith. Faith is one of the main ways we operate in our Genesis 1, 26 to 28 role for the kingdom in the earth. I love to teach on faith, so I have to just gloss over this, or else I could fill the rest of the time on this. But Hebrews 11:1 1 says, now faith is a substance. And one of the things that God has highlighted to me over and over again the last few years is the main way that we operate as dominion stewards in the earth, according to Genesis verses 1 to 26 to 28, and then also according to Matthew 16, where the Lord says, now that you know who I am, I need you to catch that you are my gates of heaven into the earth. I'm giving you the keys and you will loose into the earth what has been loosed from heaven and you will bind in the earth what has been bound in heaven. And the gates of hell will not prevail. The way we do this is number one, by choosing to see and grab hold of the gift, the power, and the responsibility of our free will, where we choose to believe eternal truth no matter what, how things look or feel. And then we realize we actually do the binding and loosing through the substance of our faith. Because there's nothing we don't have in the eternal realm. Every spiritual blessing, everything pertaining to life and godliness. So choosing to believe that, we need to understand faith is not only belief, but faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, is a substance. So when we choose to believe what we have in heaven, we are actually working to establish it here in the temporal realm. I believe that is our main job as dominion stewards in the earth because anywhere, anytime, something does not look on earth as it is in heaven, we partner with him who is truth to grab hold of the truth he has given us in Christ Jesus in the eternal realm and choosing to believe it, decree it, declare it, worship it, dance on it, establishes it through the substance of our faith here in the earth. So it's important that we stay in faith in this hour, that Jesus has done all and won all and given all. It's important to stay in faith that Jesus is the king of the United States of America. He is ruling and reigning. We're agreeing with that. Anywhere we don't see it, we decree and declare what we know is true to see it established. Because we're, according to Jeremiah 1, we are here to declare those truths and they tear down the things of darkness and establish the things of light. So how do we stay in faith? Number one, Romans 10, 17 says it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Get in the word every single day. It's a great season to go to your favorite scriptures, but I wanna tell you, as you open the word, God will speak to you through all of it. I am seeing things in the word. I'm being encouraged in the word in so many ways. Most mornings I'm in Isaiah 43, 44, and 45, praying for the USA, and things are popping out of there. The decrees that we've put together from the word of God as I'm decreeing and declaring them. I'm in the word, the word's in me. I get so encouraged. No matter how I feel when I go into my hour of prayer for the USA, within minutes I'm thinking, oh, God's God this oh God's doing this oh we're gonna see it oh God thank you that we get to be a part of it be in the word that will stir your faith one of the other ways that I've learned over the years to stay in faith 
is to not only focus on the promise, but to focus on the character and nature of the promiser. One of the things I've noticed is when it feels like the promise's manifestation is delayed, it feels or looks that way, that's actually not true. We have the promise and we will see it established. But what I've learned is when that's happening, to shift from focusing on the promise, and it's always good to have the promise and declare the word of the Lord, but if it feels like it's not manifesting as quickly as you would expect it to. Focus on the character and nature of the promiser. This is the key. This was the key to Joshua and Caleb. Twelve spies went into the land. All twelve saw the promises of God right in front of them. Land flowing with milk and honey, grapes the size of basketballs, and, but they all saw the enemy. Now ten of them saw the promise right in front of them but thought, we'll never see the promise. The enemy's so big, they have so many weapons, they're so well fortified, the promise is right in front of us, but we'll never see it. The enemy can actually use the promises of God to discourage us if we're more attached to our timeline than we are to God himself. But Joshua and Caleb came back and said, the promises are right there. Didn't you see the giants? Oh yeah, I guess there were giants. We were totally focused on God, and he said he'd give it to us, so he will. Let's go take it. What are we waiting for? They knew the promise, saw the promise, were focused on the promise, but even more, they were focused on the promiser. And in this season, it's really important that as we're in the word, seeing the promise, seeing the new thing God has started, praying through all of that, declaring the reformation that is coming to this nation, it's very important that we also focus on the character and nature of the promiser. Because then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, God, you made this nation. You made this nation with a plan and a purpose. You never fail. You're the Lord Almighty. You're the Lord invincible in battle. This is all just, you, you, you're just achieving way more than I ever expected you could do. This is great, God. You're doing something glorious. All right, key number three. In this season, it's very important that we stand for righteousness. We must be strong and vocal and stand for what matters to God. Stand for the will and the way of God. We have... God is so kind, he has clearly outlined to us through his word what is righteous and unrighteous, what is good and what is wicked. And this is a season for us to absolutely stand without compromise for the truth and righteousness of God. And we must do it if we're going to be effective in the character and nature of him who is righteousness. We must stand for the truth, but we must do it in the character and nature of him who is love. I really like that song this morning, Susan, about um, uh, singing to the God of love. Oh my gosh, that really, was, that really was good. Mark 12, 28 through 31 says this. One of the scribes came up and heard them arguing and recognizing that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, Hear, my people, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is a season for us to love God and love what matters to God. To lean not on our own understanding, but absolutely stand for what matters to God. And in addition to loving the God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, it says the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So we must love those and remember that we are contending for those as we stand for truth. This is not a battle in the flesh. This is not a battle of I'm right, you're wrong. This is a battle for righteousness in the character and nature of him who is righteous. He said there is no other commandment greater than these. So in this season, it's very important that we stand for truth, that we be a voice for truth, that we invade the spheres of influence and the seven mountains with truth as expressions of truth. But to be effective, we have to do it in the character and nature of him who is truth. We're not gonna win anybody over with arguments. I remember um, when I was a brand new Christian and um, um, God had connected me with Patricia and Ron and we were going into places like the inner city of Vancouver and we would go out on the streets um, at all hours of the day and minister to the homeless, the drug addicts, the prostitutes. One of the, the first nights we were out there, we actually went and lived amongst them in one of the, the hotels that was a, a kind of a, a flop house hotel for them. Um, and one of the nights that we were out there, I was out on the streets with Ron and it was late. It was like one in the morning or something. And we were sharing with people and this one guy came up and he had obviously grown up in the word, but it couldn't have been, you know, everything was new to me as a new Christian, but I chuckle on it now because he jumped out and he actually said, I am El Diablo. And I thought, oh, okay, I know whose side you're on. But we got into this debate about the word and, 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 and no good fruit came from it. As we walked away, Ron, Papa Ron turned to me, said, how'd that go for you? <laughs> I've never, ever forgotten that. And he looked at me and he said, you know, even if you won the argument, you don't win their hearts. And arguing just put walls up and we wanna bring walls down so they can meet Jesus. I've never forgotten that, especially as someone who can lean that way. You know, um, I've noticed, especially in this season, the people who disagree with me, I've never said anything of my arguments that would win them over. But showing them love and kindness in the midst of our disagreement, operating, refusing to budge off truth, but not making the point of my interaction to get them to believe truth, but to introduce them to him who is truth. Because then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, one of the best definitions I've ever heard of Christianity, and it's my greatest aim and often my greatest failure, but I know it's true, is love them until they ask you why. And I'd put it this way, love them until they want to they be introduced to the one who empowers you to do that. So in this season, we must stand for truth for too long. I don't think that as the, as the church, I think we've been a little insular. I think we've been comfortable with ourselves. And it's a time for us to truly go out there. Not only, I love evangelism. Winning souls is always important and always matters to God. But I think we want to invade the other spheres of influence with him as well. But we must do it in his character and nature. All right, number four, choose unity. This is not a time to attack one another. This is not a time to murmur and complain and malign one another. This is not a time to point finger. I had a very vivid encounter with this in the past week. I had someone who's a good Christian I've known for, gosh, over a dozen years. Um, and they, they, they came at me pretty strongly. And what they were saying to me was, I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of this whole abortion issue. Jesus never preached zero tolerance for abortion. And I won't go into the whole thing. Um, But everything in me in my flesh wanted to say, are you kidding me? 
For God so loved the world, he sent the gift of his only son so that none might die. That sounds like a zero tolerance for abortion policy for me. But, but the Lord helped me see, and he used friends to help me see. I was absolutely right. I know I'm right. But what I've learned is when I know I'm right is often my most dangerous time. When I know I'm wrong, I have no problem going to someone and saying, you know, I was wrong. I really blew it. I want to clean this up. I made a mess of that. I'm really sorry. But what I'm noticing is when I'm right, sometimes I stand so hard on being right, I forget to be righteous. So I was smart enough not to open my mouth, and I was smart enough not to open my keyboard. And this is a good time for us to think about that. And then... I came to staff meeting and I, I, Patricia and I were talking about something and I talked, I talked with her about this and she said, you know, I'm running into the same thing in the body of Christ. I'm kind of shocked and amazed at times, but this is a time for us to love one another. We're well, gonna stand for truth, but love one another. And she asked me this question. She said, what's the fruit of this right now? And I thought, well, right now in my flesh, the fruit's frustration and anger and that does absolutely no good. So I actually thought what I need to do is choose unity. Now, here's what I mean by that. One of the things I want you to catch is I was able to stay in unity with this brother because I was able to see the heart. He was not advocating for the death of children or the sacrifice of children. He was saying to him what matters most is loving everybody no matter what. Now, I think that can be where we can get into unsanctified mercy there. And we can get into a place where in loving people, we have to stand for truth. And we have to wield both edges of the sword. But that's a whole other message I don't have time to go into. But I chose to love this person even in our disagreement. But in unity, I want to highlight this to you, especially in the body of Christ. Right now, part of what unity looks like is not attacking one another. So I'm not going to run with this guy in this season, but I don't have to attack him. I have found my tribe, and it's important that I run with my tribe to achieve as much as possible for God in this country right now, in this world right now. God's okay with a diversity of opinion. He had 12 tribes in the Old Testament. He had 12 disciples in the New Testament. He's okay with diversity. He doesn't want division. Now, I should try to reach out to a brother and open eyes if I can and say I understand your heart but do you think potentially this is crossing in into an area of like I'm going to be honest I don't understand how 49% of Christians voted for the Biden-Harris ticket I really scratch my head over that um, I don't get it I don't get why you would vote for a platform that wants to legalize child sacrifice even outside the womb I don't get it I don't get the other things they want to do to lower the age of consent to where we're bordering on legalizing pedophilia. I don't get that. But I know this. I need to believe that every single one of them who did that was believing they were doing something good. Now, I may not agree with them. I definitely don't agree with them. But, but I, it, it does me no good to attack them because I've seen what happens. Walls go up and arguments happen and no ground is gained. One thing I'm learning I can do is say, if I have relationships, say, hey, help me understand your heart in this. Help me understand. I'm really confused by this. Attacking won't do any good. We must stand for truth. But we've got, to, we've got to embrace unity in this season. We are stronger together than apart. Now, if we can't come into agreement with a brother or sister, we need to at least not come into active disagreement, active attacking one another. Stand for truth. But what good is it going to do if I create a war in the body 
and start posting horrible things about, it's just not going to do any good. That's the accuser of the brethren. You know, we see in Revelations that the accuser of the brethren accuses the brethren before the throne. Satan has been cast out of heaven. How does he get before the throne? If he can, if I give him place in me to attack a brother and sister, thou he can he can do this before the throne. And I've got a whole teaching on that. I don't have time to go into. Sorry, I'm kind of meandering this morning. But what I want to focus on is this is challenging because I'm personally challenged by this in the season. But I know it's important. We have to stand for truth. There are going to be brothers and sisters that we don't understand or agree with right now. You don't have to run with them, but what I'm saying is don't start a war inside the body of Christ over this stuff. All right, number five. This one's important and it's an easy one. Pray in tongues right now. Oh, I'm loving praying in tongues right now. Because when we pray in tongues, according to Jude 20, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. It's one of the ways we can embrace that key of staying in faith. Pray in tongues. You're actually building yourself up in the most holy of faith. The other thing I love about tongues is when we pray in tongues, we are praying perfect prayers. We are declaring things right from the heart of God. We are praying those things that are exceedingly abundantly beyond our ability to ask, think, or comprehend. This is what Ephesians 3.20 says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. So here it's saying God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond our ability to ask, think, or even comprehend. But we get to participate in this. It says according to the power at work within us. I believe when we're praying in tongues, we're participating with that. And now we are decreeing and declaring those things that have not even entered into our imagination. Praying in tongues in this season is a great way to lean not on your own understanding, but trust God in all that's going on. Acknowledge him and say, Lord, you're large and in charge, so I'm gonna pray in tongues because I know I'm praying right from your heart. All right, number six. We must mindfully and intentionally operate as the body of Christ in the earth right now. And what I mean by that is, God's really been highlighting to me lately as I'm reading through the Gospels that Jesus not, you guys have heard me share this, Jesus not only came as Messiah, he came as model. So he not only came to restore us to relationship with our Heavenly Father and all of his kingdom in the earth, he showed us what it looks like. Now, we are not Messiah. He is Messiah. He alone is Messiah. But because he is Messiah, we are restored to this place, and we are now the body of Christ in the earth. Remember how we've talked about this. When Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, what did he do? He sat down. Why did he sit down? Because his job was done. He had won all, done all, and given all. But our job, now we stand up in Christ as the body of Christ in the earth. So one of the things God's been having me do is go through the Gospels and look at what Jesus did. Jesus said this, you'll do the works that I did and even greater works. And one of my favorite places to be right now is when Jesus turns the tables over in the temple. Because he says, you have done something inside my father's house that was not his plan. So I read this and then I pray, all right, Lord, you said to do the works that you do. So right now I am going into the White House. In the spirit, I am going into Congress. In the spirit, I am going into the Supreme Court. And if there's anything we've done to turn these places that should be serving your will into something other than your plans and purposes. I'm overturning the tables right now. I'm turning the tables on the enemy and telling the powers and principles
principalities to leave in Jesus' name. Or like we talked about two weeks ago, when I'm in John 11 and I see Jesus, the body of Christ, then, Jesus was the body of Christ then, standing before Lazarus' tomb and saying, Lazarus, come forth and may all the grave clothes be removed. Most mornings now I am praying as the body of Christ and saying, United States of America, come forth from the place of death. Come forth from the place of wickedness and unrighteousness. And may every grave cloth be removed from you. May every grave cloth of Baal and Molech and Ahab and Jezebel, may every remnant, every shred of everything that has tried to turn you away from God in the least possible way, be removed in Jesus' name. I think this is a time for us to get an even bigger revelation of the authority we have on behalf of God in the earth as the body of Christ. Number seven. This is one he gave me personally this week, and I know it works. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. From Philippians 4.4. This is Paul writing this strategy from prison he is in an unfair situation. He's been thrown in a horrible place. All he wanted to do was preach the gospel. And he's thrown in prison, and he says, rejoice. And I say again, rejoice. Why? Because as we rejoice, we come out of that place of a victim mentality of, oh, this is hard, this is difficult, this isn't fair. And all of a sudden, we're rejoicing, and all that heaviness lifts up off of us. And now we're back in that place of effectiveness. I love in John 16, 33, when Jesus is saying to the disciples, so guys, I'm, a, I'm about to wrap all this up and launch you guys out into this. And I wanna make you aware of, of everything. And I, I'm glad you finally caught up after three and a half years to say, now we understand Jesus. And he says, this is great. It's taken three and a half years, but I'm super proud of you. Thank you for catching up. Now everything's about to change again. And this is what I need you to catch in this season because I am going to ascend to the right hand of my father and you are going to now be the body of Christ in the earth. And he says... In the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I love that. There's gonna be tests and trials, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I needed to be reminded of that this week. And when God highlighted this to me, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm seeing the trials. I'm seeing the tribulations. I'm seeing the battles. And, and I, know it's a, I know it's a privilege to be in them, but... I had all that. I'm good at war. I kind of like war. I like punching the devil in the nose. But I'm an intense guy. And sometimes I can get a little too intense in that. So I love that God was like, son, this is great that you're doing all this stuff. But be of good cheer. <laughs> Rejoice in it. And I had to remember that God sits in the heaven and laughs. And in my prayer chair one morning, as he was reminding me of that, he reminded me of the story I've heard Patricia share so many times when she was, many years ago, um, when, when she was going through something and noticing the earth going through something and the Lord brought her up into heaven and everybody was laughing. And I love how honest she was because I've learned from this and relearned from this so many times. She said that you were a little offended that all of heaven was laughing, right? She's like, do you not realize what's going on down here? Things are really challenging down here. And then all of a sudden she realized, oh, you're laughing because it's settled, it's done, it's won. And we realize that that laughter is a strategy. As someone who likes to punch the devil in the nose, the Holy Spirit reminded me this week, you wanna get up the devil's nose? Be of good cheer, it drives him crazy. 
when you're in a good mood in the midst of all this, it drives the enemy crazy. So rejoice. And I say again, rejoice. For God's got this, and we get to be a part of it. And that's a really glorious thing. Okay, and number eight, final key, pray. And again, the kingdom's simple. Don't dismiss this one because it's so simple and obvious. But we need to pray. I love what Dr. Clarice Fluitt says. The, the kingdom of God is voice activated in the earth. You guys have heard me share about the encounter I had where God took me into Genesis 1. And I won't go through the whole thing here. But one of the things we have to remember in this season is God spoke creation into existence. And then he makes us in his image and puts us as stewards over that creation. And one thing he reminds me of again and again again and again is those first 25 verses is not only a history lesson of how God brought forth creation, but then he says, now I've made you in my image. And in that part of the revelation is he's showing us the way you steward my creation is exactly as how I brought forth my creation. Declare the word into creation. In this season, as we pray, as we declare the word of the Lord, we are speaking to our nation. We are commanding revival and reformation and truth and and righteousness and justice. Every morning when I cry out, Hosanna, 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 I know I am declaring, King Jesus, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are worshiped in every sphere of influence in my nation. King of glory, come in. Lord Almighty, come in. Lord Invincible in battle, come in and win every single fight because that's who you are. But I need to say it out loud. My faith is stirred when I ruminate on it, but then as I decree it and declare it, now the substance of my faith is establishing it. Jeremiah 1 again says, God says, I will put my words in your mouth, and it will be the tearing down of some things and the building up of others. When we pray, when we decree, when we declare, when we worship, we are tearing down the things of darkness, and we are establishing the things of light. So we need to be praying. Word of God never returns void, Isaiah 55, 11 says. So every time we declare the Lord's word, it goes forth. It always bears fruit. It accomplishes all that's sent to do. And then what's the fruit of it? It says, we will live in joy and peace. And right now, my favorite part is where it talks about where there were briars, now myrtles will grow up. The trees will clap their hands. The mountains will sing for joy. When we do this, it impacts creation. So as we're praying, we are actually impacting the United States of America. We are impacting every state, every situation, and every person. We must be praying. We can decree a thing in the name of the king and it will be done. Esther 8.8 8 and Job 22.28. And I won't go into that much because we teach a lot on decrees and decreeing the word of the Lord here. You guys are brilliant at it. I just want to say this. If you need decrees and you haven't signed up, it's not too late. Go to firewallusa.com. We've got prayer points for you. We've got decrees for you. We've been writing decrees. If you haven't joined our Firewall USA um, Facebook group, we are posting regularly new sessions of decrees targeting specific things that are going on in the nation right now because it's, it's our greatest weapon. I mean, when you think about this, Esther 8.8 says, if we send forth a writ and we decree it in the name of the king, it cannot be undone. So when we're praying the word of the Lord, it's going forth. It cannot be undone. When we know, according to his word, what God's plans and purposes are, and we decree it, we're actually establishing that in this nation. Amen? All right. So let me review the eight keys real quick, and then I'll have you stand up, and we'll pray for you. 
go back into my notes here. So key number one was know you're made for this. The corollary there was and you're well equipped for it. Key number two, stay in faith. Key number three, stand for righteousness. Key number five, pray in tongues. I feel like I missed one. Four, yes, thank you. Choose unity. Well, you know, one thing I didn't say on that is one of the other things that's so important about unity right now is it's the reason God says don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. I personally experienced this week, when you have good people in your lives who love you and believe in you, one of the things that happens is you have really good people doing little heart checks with you. Not, not following up on you, not finding fault, but helping you be the champion that you are in this season. So number four, choose unity. Number five, pray in tongues. Number six, we must mindfully and intentionally operate as the body of Christ in the earth right now. Number seven, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. And number eight, let's unsheath the sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God and pray. Amen. Do me a favor, stand to your feet at home. You can do the same, stand at your feet. Lord, I want to thank you that you have before you a company of champions. You have before you ones who have chosen to know you, chosen to follow you chosen to be allies of yours in this hour. God, I thank you that you were empowering us, that you were strengthening us in our revelation of you and our ability to not only know you, but to make you known. Lord, I thank you to, that you are encouraging us. I thank you that you're strengthening us. I thank you, Lord, that you give us fresh focus, fresh vision, fresh zeal, fresh fervor, fresh love, fresh peace, fresh joy. And Lord, as we go forth from this place today, we go forth in you, we go forth with you, we go forth for you. Lord, we go forth knowing we have the victory and we go forth celebrating that we get to be a part of legislating and executing that victory in this nation on behalf of every single person in it. Thank you for joining Patricia today. She would love to continue to empower you in your faith journey. For more information about other Patricia King resources, events, or ministry partnership, connect with her on patriciaking.com. Also, follow her on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and iTunes podcast.